This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. What is Chalkboard Chat? It's an MPB education podcast. It's a variety show providing information and resources for teachers, students, parents, guardians, and everyday people on various topics. It's learning something new with every publication. Chalkboard Chat. Find the podcast or listen from chalkboardchat.mpbonline.org. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking. It's a show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm editor-at-large and editorial cartoonist with Mississippi Today. My next guest, well, he's the over-definition of what is considered to be well-versed in one's profession and or talents. In fact, if I could bottle his energy, I would, and I would make a zillion dollars. Uh, 40-plus years' experience in the medical field is just the tip of the iceberg. He's valedictorian of his Cleveland High School class, and now I'm, I've, I'm like, nervous because he's, like, smarter than me. But I knew that anyway going into that. Anyway, he's Mississippi born and bred, so Dr. Darden North will be joining us today. And he's not only solidified himself as a nationally respected healthcare professional, but also an award-winning author. And he's here to discuss his brand-new release of his, I think it's his sixth novel now, if I can, I've lost track of that, called Party Favors, and that'll be coming out. Plus, he's working on a movie. He's going to be famous. He's going to have a movie made of his second novel, Points of Origin, um, which was one of my favorites. I think it came out around 2006. Great book. And, and we'll talk about a bunch of other things as well. I'd like to welcome to the show Dr. Darden North. Darden, it's glad. Welcome to Now You're Talking. Marshall, it's always great to get to talk with you. Thank you. Oh, sure. That was an over-caffeinated in- introduction. I apologize. But I am impressed about the valedictorian part. Well, um, thank you very much. I, I beat out Dewey Chin, I think, just by a fraction of a point. But and Oh, yeah. Okay. So do you know what he's doing now? I, I do not. I'm sure he's doing something extremely, extremely awesome. Yeah, I so. know. I got beat out for um, – most I, I won most talented, which was a complete con job because I knew of at least five more people that were more talented than I was in high school. But I came in second for Mr. SHS, and the guy mm-hmm. who won it had also has started two software companies and I think is a trillionaire. So, yeah, he deserved that one. Well, I did get most courteous, too, when I was a senior. I can believe that. Yeah. Yeah, I know you well, <laughs> and I think even Sally would not disagree with that one. I'm sure she wouldn't. How many years have you been married now? Oh, my gosh. Uh, 1979, that would be 43 years, I believe. Wow. Yeah. And you are both like two of the nicest people in the world. Do you still get along and, we, and we still really talk do. to each we're, other? We're yeah. great friends. We do like to travel, uh, do we do things together all the time and enjoy grandchildren and yeah. She's, a good time. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. And, and she's, she's amazing, too. I, I guess the last time I saw you all together was down on the coast. I was speaking, and, and you had me down, and that was a lot of fun. I got to visit with you then. Yeah, you spoke at the South Central OBGYN Society. Yeah. You did the talk where we had the spouses come in. It's not a medical talk, and you, you nailed it. You did the best talk they've ever had. So, Would you have really wanted me to do a medical talk? Um, no. but <laughs> <laughs> Now, I could have done from the patient's perspective. Right, you could I'm, have. I'm pretty good have. at that you one. I've have. done that one a few times. And then, hey, man, seriously though, congratulations! It has been since I guess 2017 since uh, Fire Fire the Five Manners of Death came out. Um, since you've had a new novel, so and right. I know you've been busy in between then. But congratulations, uh, of course. Thank you. 
Uh, Party Favors is coming out. I would show the cover on the screen. Uh, it's going to be a little bit hard to do on radio, but uh, it looks really <laughs> cool. And so when does the actual book itself come out? The uh, publisher sent me the preliminary cover actually just a couple of days ago, and it's uh, scheduled to be released November 18th. We have a book signing scheduled at Lemuria here in Jackson for December 13th. It's nice. a Tuesday at 4. Uh, starts at 4. Hope everyone will come, and I'll have some other book signings and things, but the book is scheduled for release in late November. Great. Just in time for Christmas. Exactly. Which exactly. I think you sell. I mean, tech, I think, and, and this is something I learned from you, I think. Uh, 60% of the books are sold around Christmas. So I think you, that's true. You want to make yeah. sure you get it out for Christmas. Exactly. Time. So who's publishing it this time? Wordcraft Press is the publisher that's done my last two books. Okay. And um, great, yeah, great people to work with. They're just outside of Nashville. And uh, the book will come out in print. It'll be an ebook as well and should have an audio ver- version at some point. Oh, well. really? Cool. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you, how, do they decide who's going to read them or how does that work? He will probably, um, the editor will probably decide who reads it. But, you know, they've given me a lot of uh, input on all of my publications with them and on the cover. Uh, the cover designer, he has this awesome, just does a yeah. wonderful job. And I can always, you know, add, ask for tweaks and things like that. But um, the, I, the, uh, Wiggle Room, which is my one of my five books already out, it's yeah. the last one that's coming to audio, and I have a fantastic uh, Michael Robbins narrator who does that one for me. But anyway, uh, I'm sure they'll get someone great. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. Did you ever think for yeah, it's like maybe I could do it? Well, I really think I would enjoy narrating would fun, one of my books. I, you know, you have to have the right equipment and the time. Um, uh, I think it would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. It probably would be. And so when you write, and this is the way I write. So when you write and you get done with like a paragraph, do you read it aloud just to hear how it flows? Yes, I do. And it took me about three books to find out how important that is. Everyone yeah. tells you you should. And when you read it to yourself, you can almost uh, act out the parts and do the voices if you want to with the characters. Yeah. And then you you hear, you know, the mistakes you've made. And you just you want it to sound like natural dialogue. And the best way to do that is to hear it aloud. I, I do love this, and, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I love in Party Favors, I mean, not in Party Favors, in the movie of Point of Origins, when you're working on the screenplay, of course, you wrote in 2006, and you think about how technology has changed and everything else. There was point, one point in the screenplay where you had um, a phone booth, which even Superman has to now change somewhere else. There are no phone booths, so you changed it to burner phone. And I right, love that. Exactly. I, just, I love that. Yeah, we were trying to, the the book, the movie set in, in current time, present yeah. day, um, and so I was trying to find, where, was there a pay phone in Jackson somewhere? And I could yeah. not find one. So we just changed it to a burner phone. You remember, seriously, this is, um, and I always love to tell my kids this because then they realize how old I really am. I said, you don't realize now when people get off airplanes, they go straight and charge up their phones. And it used to be they would run out of the airplanes and go straight to the pay phone. Exactly. It's like the world mm-hmm. has changed mm-hmm. so much. All right. Well, back to back to the new book, and we'll just give a little bit of a preview on it. And I'm, ex- I'm excited. I love the cover. And obviously there is an opioid theme to this book, isn't there? Yes. And it's, uh, I told someone it's my opioid crisis novel. And um, there are there is a little bit of, you know— um, not humor, but just some. There's some lighter sides to some of the characters too. You have to break the tension in the in a book, you know, yeah. with some light stuff. Um, but it deals with a very complex situation, a lot of complex characters and complex situations, um, and it's basically about 
a young orthopedic surgeon who finds himself transplanted from Alaska to the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and he's struggling in his orthopedic practice. The community doesn't really accept him. They look at him as an outsider, and he's tempted to sell his patients unused narcotics to help fund his orthopedic practice. Oh, wow. And actually, his secretary gives him the idea, and her family is part of a drug ring on the coast. Oh, so wow. it's uh, um, it's based on, on no in particular uh, story, but there have been a lot of pill mills and issues like that on the coast in the last few years. Yeah, I remember I knew a doctor whose um, nurse ended up going to jail because she stole the prescription pads. I mean, this right. this is a problem that's really prevalent, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of fraud, and it's just a, sort of a black, uh, you know, um, tone on some of, um, you know, nasty tone on some of the medical yeah. medical issues out there in medical professions. But, lot, of course, there are a lot of good people out there trying to straighten this out. There's yeah. been a lot of controls Definitely. and things like that and efforts to get doctors to realize you don't need to prescribe as many narcotics for surgery or for illnesses and things like that. Encourage patients to take something over the counter if they can get by with it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there is a, a place and a purpose. Like right now, my mother-in-law has got stage four breast cancer and it's in her bones and she's mm-hmm. a lot of pain. That definitely sure, is a use sure. for. I had spinal yeah. surgery first week and a half. <laughs> I probably sure. would have died if it had not been for that, you know. And so, but but then also I got off of it as quick as I did too because I didn't sure. want to be statistically. It's like unbelievable the number of spinal fusion surgery patients that get addicted. So I didn't want to be that guy. And you hope when someone you know gives you that prescription and tells you how to take the medicine is to explain just take it if you need it. And if yeah. you could take something that's minor, some Advil or Tylenol or ibuprofen, do that instead. Right. You know, inspiration behind your books. Obviously, there's, um, you know, John Grisham does the lawyer things. You do doctors. There's always a medical uh, side in there. And I love your tagline, by the way. Finally, a doctor who's writing you can read. That right there makes me want to buy your books. Well, good. (laughs) Yeah, that that, uh, tagline is uh, one we keep with all our our graphics and and marketing. And uh, the Denton Gibbs Company came up with that years ago, and it's it's, uh, served me well. But uh, I am excited about the new book, and uh, like you said, it's been several years since I've had a new book. You know, you yeah. remember there was something called COVID that came oh, out that I've totally forgotten about that. that. Uh, sort of, you know, gave me some time to work. Yeah. But you know, I'm ready to kind of get out there and have book signings and you know meet the public again. And I've enjoyed doing that in the past. Yeah, that's been the tough part. You know, obviously you can come out with a book, but you can't go sell it. And you know, I learned a lot when I came out with my books about book signings, because I would bump into you at Mistletoe Marketplace and you would be working it. Which, by the way, um, how do you schedule your time? Because, I mean, you're like the busiest human being I've ever seen, and you managed to get more things done in a day than I could ever think of doing in a week. Um, Wow, you're making me feel great today. Thanks, Marshall. Um, No, you are. But um, I never have been one to waste much time. And I always like to have my homework done before I went home from school and um, but I have, um, and I think the, maybe the older you get, the more challenging that gets, but I have, um, begun to carry a calendar with me, literally a calendar yeah. and writing things on it. I think that helps, but, um, you know, people help me and, um, help me coordinate things and somehow it works out right. And I've got somebody upstairs looking after me. You do have a front office also. I do. Yeah, I do. And, I, and I've learned how to put things on the calendar on the iPhone. That's really easy to do. Yeah. Um, do reminders and um it's working out okay so far i've never been good at that and then after i bumped my head a few weeks ago and gave myself a little concussion i like have to write everything down because it literally you can tell me something and before i walk out the door i totally forget it so but it does make a big difference to have everything right in front of you it does and there's a reason that post-it the guy that invented the post-it note is a billionaire yeah 
Yeah. Do you know that was a total mistake too? He was like trying to invent a glue and it wouldn't work. It's like stuff kept falling off on it. And then they started and they put it on paper and they realized, you know, that's what I love about that story is like, it makes you realize that even your mistakes can end up call, you know, making you millions. Well, um, I don't plan to make any mistakes anytime soon. So. Yeah, but to say yeah. in your business, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Definitely, especially in the doctor side, right, you, you exactly. can make a mistake in the book. That's yeah. that's okay. Easy to fix a typo. The book is uh, coming out as party favors. I'm really excited about it. You're going to have a book signing coming up at Lemuria, I guess, in December. You said December, December 13th. December 13th at four o'clock in the afternoon, and it'll be a lot of fun. I have to make sure I put that on my calendar. I hope so because I want to definitely get a copy of it, and um, I def- I want to come cheer you on too. Thank you, Marshall. As well as that, you, um, like I said, when you sit down and write a book, um, how do you do it? Do you outline the book or do you just kind of take the journey where it's going to go? There's usually two types of, of, of paths for authors I've discovered. Yes, yeah, so there's outlining and there's something called pants or where you fly by the city of your pants. Yes. And I, sometimes I sort of do both. But um, the last couple of books, I've really honestly thought I was going to do it by an outline. I thought that would really make it a lot easier. Yeah. And so I've instead of a you know the the Roman numeral one A B C type outline you might have done in in senior English yes I, I basically just try to write a paragraph describing what the story will be gotcha and that's sort of just like a you know tiny pre synopsis kind of thing and I'll go as far as I can with that until my brain just starts going and I just want to start writing the story yeah and then it's sort of the you know fly by the seat of your pants after that and the characters do uh, take over I think anyone. Who writes will tell you that your characters take over, and then you um, things you may think it was going to go one way, and it's not, or the the villain is somebody else. And to me, that's what makes writing interesting. You know, if you were just sitting there filling out blanks on a page, it wouldn't be very much fun. I do a coloring sheet every day, free for kids, and I, and I post it. And I quit doing it for about a week and a half, and I miss the characters. Do you ever miss your characters after you get done with the book? Um. Or are you just no, like, not like really. <laughs> okay, so they're for um, hire. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, um, some of them, um, you know, I, I know I want to bring them back. Um, but, and then sometimes I think, well, it really would be, would be simpler just to keep these same characters and just write continued series. Wouldn't have to think so much about coming up with new people, but then yeah. that's not fun either. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and you, you want something to be fresh and a surprise sure you for do. the reader. Sure, as you well. do. And in Party Favors, there are all new characters in that, in that book. Yeah. Um, oh, good. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. In with us is Jackson Healthcare for Women's OBGYN and author, Dr. Darden North. We're talking about your latest book that's coming out soon for Christmas, Party Favors. Now let's talk about the screenplay adaptation of your second novel, Points of Origin. I mean, you you... If I remember correctly, you had two novels almost back-to-back Yes, on that time. It was right around – it's like a million and a half years ago now. It was 2006 when Point of Origin came out. Right. House Call was the first one. Yeah. And and it was – because like I said, I remember seeing you at your booth at Mistletoe right. signing that. And I was like, oh, you're writing novels now. <laughs> I surprised a lot of people with that first novel. It and, was so good. Well, you're, you're very nice. And, um, you know, some of the characters in – House call are in points of origin. Yeah, but um, again, I had points of origin written before house call was published. I did kind of that same thing. You're trying to get get your first book published, and you just say they say go, go ahead and write another one, and yeah. I did. So fortunately, it was ready to come out when house call was ready, and fortunately, a bunch of people wanted to read house call, so we you know had another book to follow up. 
Um, and I do think Points of Origin is my favorite story. And people ask me, what is your favorite book? And it, yeah. it is it is because there are a lot of things in there that happen that I can identify with. And, um, you know, the characters, again, are, you want characters to be conflicted and complex. That what yeah. make, that's what makes people literally want to turn the page. And I set it in a small, fictitious town called Larkspur, which I describe as a um, – a uh, small Mississippi town full of jealousy and greed. Let me let me ask you this question. You may not want to reveal it. Um, what town in Mississippi do you think is the closest model, or is it a, ha- a mashup of different towns? It's really a mashup. And uh, back then, I was sort of uh, afraid to use real towns, and certainly you don't, you're not using real people ever. But uh, I've come out of that now. I place my books in Jackson or wherever they are, okay. Gulfport and Biloxi, but. I've always thought of Larkspur as sort of like in the part of the city, uh, t- uh, sort of like Cleveland or Batesville or something like that mixed together. Okay. Kind of North Mississippi up in there. Not Oxford, but somewhere like that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I At first thought, well, maybe a little bit of maybe old Oxford, not not current Oxford, yeah. but old, but I like that yeah. better. I can see that. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. that, that's good. That'll change when I reread <laughs> it. You gave me a copy. I can't wait to reread it because it's been a while. It's been a minute since I've been uh, read it. Um, so... It's one of your favorites. And is that – I really want you to tell the process on how a book turns into – a screenplay turns into a, a movie because, I mean, number one, we've got a lot of great small filmmakers now in Mississippi. We do, very, a lot of talented people. And so – and I know you know everybody and you tend to bump into everybody. And so this, this, this story is just fantastic. I want you to tell it. Well, for me, it's all about networking. And yeah. they, they tell you that anytime you're starting a, a new – you know, business or profession, networking is very important. Uh, a lot of people have been very, you know, kind to me to to help me network. But uh, in this particular situation, uh, a friend of mine um, named Melanie Calvert, Melanie Calvert Benton, um, had been in a movie, a local movie shot in Mississippi, and I saw that, I think, posted on uh, uh, one of the, you know, streaming or on-site services, uh, social media. And uh, I called her and asked her about it. And I said, well, who's this producer you had? And she said, well, it's James Wilkerson with uh, Paragenesis uh, uh, Media. And um, she said, I bet he'd want to talk to you. So I contacted him, and he and Tom Ray, um, his uh, partner in the firm at the time, came and met with me. And they said, we really are interested in your books. Which book do you think would would make the best movie? And so Points of Origin just came to mind. And so we, you know, made – made a deal, as they say, for that to happen. And that was really several years ago. And um, um, it is all being shot in Mississippi with uh, people who are basically, uh, um, you know, volunteering their time for this project, hoping that it will, it will turn into something. Yeah. And I think it's really going to be a quality film that people really like. I, I saw a quote from, uh, I think, Jim or somebody, I couldn't remember. But anyway, talking about the, kind of the goals to get it on a streaming service. Yes. Because they're very hungry for content. They are. And when I started writing in 2005, streaming services weren't around, or you're right. beginning to hear a little bit you know, about this kind of stuff. Um, and so you just wanted your, your book to be a big screen movie somewhere. Yeah. But now, just to be uh, launched on the streaming service, I think launched is what you say now, yeah. launched, um, would, be, uh, would be ideal. And we think we have some ways to hopefully get that happen. So um, the screenplay was interesting. I had really no... Uh, uh, experience in writing one, although I've kind of toyed with it or talked to different people about uh, even some of my other books and the screenplays. But uh, Tom Ray actually wrote the screenplay mm-hmm. based on 
was very very close to the book you know very which yeah. i was glad yeah. for all the book's plot very in fact use some of the dialogue straight out of the book but um you know going through that process i was able to get involved and um and help to to work and refine expand the screenplay and work with tom and and um, actually, one of the other producers' wife is one of his wives, his wife, <laughs> Bobby Wilkerson, um, and we all have collaborated and have written the screenplay. And the uh, the movie that we plan that's in post production now will basically be the will basically be the first half of the book. And so we uh, feel like we can do a second uh, ah. movie, and then maybe even a third. So that's those are the plans. That's that works out great there. Yeah, I think yeah. it's uh, really great. Yeah, really great. So, at that point, you're sitting down doing the screenplay. Why'd y'all de- decide to film it this year? What was the What was the final push that allowed you to do it? Well, you know, again, COVID, COVID. had slowed things yeah. down, and I think that finally it was felt that, um, as far as the filming restrictions and health concerns, you know, had had waned enough that we could move ahead, um, and just you know everything kind of came together. Um, uh, Jim um, Wilkerson, the producer with Paragenesis Media, had contacts through Curtis Everett, who's with uh, uh, St- St- excuse me, St- Saint Studios Films. That's always been a tongue twister for me, particularly when your mouth is getting dry. But um, anyway, Curtis is the director, Curtis Everett, and he has been outstanding. And once he got into the uh, picture, I think that just kind of helped us get everything rolling. Yeah. And so that's where we are. So one one of the quotes I read about you was that that you picked up on things very quickly, that you were very involved. And tell us some of the different roles that you you, you worked at in between writing your new book, in between oh yeah, by the way, you're a full time doctor and you know, you got that going too. Well, um and Jim Wilkerson said that about me and I appreciated that. I, I have um I'm able to learn. You know, I was able to. Earn, I would hope so. I was yes. able to learn robotic surgery and mm-hmm. you know all these things and you know and if you if uh, just like uh, if you're an author, you're always listening to people and watching people and observing yeah. people because you you know you're looking for honestly looking for characters or and and because when it's time to write about a plumber, you kind of want to know what a plumber was right. doing. So um, I was I watched. Um, some of the scenes uh, filmed, and, and they were many were filmed around my house, actually. In fact, you used your house. Yes, they used a, my yeah, house. They studio. said, can we use your house? I thought he meant for an outside shot, but he meant for the inside shot. Yeah. And fortunately, we were able to space things around and, and turn, um, you know, the dining room into a real estate office and the breakfast room into an arch- architect's office. You know, different things. It's kind of fun. But, um, you know, I was uh, – I'm not afraid to ask questions and um, um, learn and, you know, and I thought, well, they need a little help doing this. Well, I can do that. And, of course, we were filming a lot on Saturdays, which – and I was able to be there. Yeah. Um, and we put in some long days. And, you know, everyone thinks that movie making and TV making is glamorous. But, no. you know, from a little bit I know, it's uh, – there's a lot of work, a lot of work behind it. It was um, there was a show on Discovery Plus that did a little feature about me and my dog, right? And it was about why well, my dog was in it. It wasn't really about her, but anyway, it was two and a half minutes long. They were there literally for fifteen hours right. to do two and a half minutes. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's unbelievable about how much time it takes to do things and, and get everything around. But like I said, you know, well, now here's the most important question: 
was Sally patient with the whole thing? She was, and okay. Sally and I are both in it. We both have small parts. I saw parts. that in the trailer. I was impressed. Um, we played Mr. and Mrs. McDougal, and uh, that was not a condition that I'd be in the movie. But, yeah, you're kind of like Hitchcock, um, right? The, right, right. The producer, um, and I'm, I'm actually now one of the produ- executive producers on the film, but uh, Jim Wilkinson said, do you uh, want to be in it? And I said, well, I don't have to be in it. And he said, well, yeah. we want you and your wife to play Mr. and Mrs. McDougal. And they, they play a very small part, and... Sally and I, I will tell you, knew our lines very well. I bet. And uh, we practiced. We would put the iPhone and do kind of, you know, like a selfie video kind of thing and practice. And some of those outtakes are really funny. I'll show them to you sometimes. But uh, we would be in our robe, you know, rehearsing. And when we did the scene, um, I guess we nailed it. Because the director says, okay, that's good. And we really? said, wait a minute, you don't want us to do it again? Like 19 takes? He said, no, that's fine. And we thought, it can't be. It's got to be. He said, no, it's okay. You did right. So, um, and then there was another scene that we did that, that we no, did not need to use in the movie, and we didn't. But uh, uh, but it's, it was fun to get to do that. And Sally, you know, let us use the house for, you know, three Saturdays all day long. And sh- she helped, I think, with makeup on someone. And um, she was a real, real jewel on that. She she was good. <laughs> she, I bet mean, she's been a trooper because you've been writing novels now for 15 right, years. She, so. uh, right, yeah. She doesn't like me to take the laptop on vacation as much as we as I used to, but um, she's been real supportive. That's that's awesome on that. I did want to tell you our, that sure. our dog is in the movie. When you there mentioned you the dog, yeah. Fo- Foxy plays uh, Mrs. Architzel's dog who's rescued from a fire. And um, the word is that she did a great job. Did she have a stunt dog? Uh, no, she okay. did all of it herself. She did all of her own stuff. Exactly. They didn't actually burn your house no, down or anything no, no. for this. It's, <laughs> it's amazing what you can do with special effects. Okay, just day. checking. Yeah. I was yeah. about to say, it was really a fun experience, Marshall, <laughs> until they burned my house down. That would be awful on that. So how long did you – you said it, they did on several Saturdays. How long was the actual principal filming? The um, Well, uh, they did three Saturdays and then another Saturday in Oxford and then some other behind-the-scenes behind the oh, wow. retakes and uh, – yeah. But it's and I, I guess I don't want to know all those details. Yeah, you, you, there's only so much of the sausage you want to know about, exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. What they film up in Oxford? Um, we needed a um, well. Um, the um, principal uh, character is played by Camden Shock, who's uh, he he plays the young guy Sheriff Foxworth. Yeah. And his love interest interest is played by Kaylin uh, Hannes, whose whose character is Kaylee, and Kaylin and Kaylee was kind of hard for me to keep straight, but. Um, Camden actually had to move, move to Nashville area in between yeah. all this, so they had to meet him for some additional scenes in Oxford. And there was a graveyard scene, and they used the graveyard where uh, Faulkner's oh, yeah. buried yeah. and um, an airport, I mean, a uh, fire department scene. I think the Oxford Fire Department was really nice let them use that. Um, so uh, I think it was just kind of a logistics thing. So yeah. it's not one of those cases where you drive up early in the morning and shoot it real quick and then run away. You that, actually ask permission. Yes. No. Yeah. yeah I think they got they got okay from everybody. That's yeah. awesome. That's that's us. I love this. Now, give us a quick short synopsis of uh, points of origin to let folks to know what to expect with the movie. And they they can go buy the book right now. Yeah, by the way, yeah, yeah they, they can get the book. Yeah, uh, it still ha- is an ebook. It's an audio book, and uh, and you gave me a hard copy. I did, and did hardcover. Um, uh, there's still some hard copies out there you can purchase. Um, Points of Origin is um, a story about a family that's basically uh, implodes. Mm. Uh, the father's a plastic surgeon and has a mishap with a young patient, and um, 
that leaves a plaintiff's lawyer to come, plaintiff's attorney to come after him and everything he has. Yeah. And so the um, uh, his son, Sheriff Foxworth, who has tried to go to medical school, could, didn't apply himself well, didn't get in, really wants revenge against the attorney for basically destroying the family. Yeah. And his parents die in a plane crash. I'm not telling you too much. Um, and so uh, – but he's not the only one that has the goods out for the attorney. There's several uh, other people. There's a real estate agent after him. And then suddenly there's an arsonist out there wandering around. And um, that's where you get the book, Points of Ar- the title, Points of yeah. Origin. I'm about so, to say because actually Points of Origin has meaning, right? Yeah, the, the Point of Origin is where a fire start, right. starts. And so Points of Makes Origin sense. means there's a, the, there's a significance in the plural to points. It means there were many points of origin oh, yeah. of people who could have done this, who were coming after the plaintiff's attorney, and, and many people causing trouble in the book. So it's kind of the the Scooby Doo. There's a lot of different uh, characters, but yes. at the end, you you yeah. get to pull the mask off of the. And I think everyone who's ever talked to me about the book was surprised at how it ended. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. what you want. That's no, what you want. no, exactly. Yeah, what you on want. that. So on the final project, like I said, you're an executive producer. What exactly does executive producer mean, by the way? It means you're real important. Okay. Yeah. I no, like it means that. I think <laughs> I always thought it meant you didn't do anything, but actually, um, you do. I mean, you're in charge of of helping the the logistics. You know, as far as making sure it happens. Yeah. You know, producing it. Yeah. And um, so, did yeah. you approach the logistics of putting together this movie the same way you would a novel, or the same way you would with a patient's health care? Just kind of mapping it out and doing an outline and saying, okay, we're going to go this step, this step, this step, or was there a lot of it just reacting to things as they happened? Well, the, um, you know, when I'm a surgeon in the operating room, I'm, I'm the director, I'm in charge. Yes. Now, you know, the director, Curtis Everett was in charge of, you know, you know, when we would film and what we would film, uh, and really where. Yeah. And, uh, of course he did, you know, 90% of the casting. I, I, I did get to be involved a little bit in the castings we said before, um, so basically, I'm, I'm, he's the director. I'm just there, yeah. you know, helping. And I think that's what a producer, the role that I began to see that a producer is. He or she may have made the movie happen, you know, get the screenplay or decide what the project's going to be, get get someone to direct it. But then you do step back and let the director go for it. But then uh, it's ultimately the producer who may feel responsible for the film in the end. So yeah. they want to be sure it's going to be quality and, and it's going the direction it should be going. And that's why they hand them an Oscar also. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that'd be great. That'd that would be, great. be no, that wouldn't be, yeah, that wouldn't be bad at all on that. I'm looking forward to, of course it's coming in. When, when do you think the movie will be released? I think we're several months away from yeah. um, being released. Uh, like I said, it's in post-production and there's a lot of editing that goes into yeah. movie making and, uh, and TV making. Um, and so we still got some of that to do. Yeah. Doing that, I'm excited. I, I'm excited for you as much as I am excited to see it too, because it's a great story. I'm looking forward to that part of it. But like I said, it's neat to see you branch out in yet another area. Well, it, it's been some, something I've wanted, and I think that's uh, part of anybody. Anybody writes a novel, particularly, I think yeah. to have it. I'm about to say, do you yeah. lay, lay awake at night going, "I'm going to have a movie"? Well, you know, it's um, be careful what you wish for. You know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of responsibility to it. Then you start yeah. thinking, oh, my goodness, what if it's, you know, is it going to be good? Is anybody going to come see it? Um, you know, that begins to take over a little bit. But it is very exciting, and I hope to have other projects. I think all of my 
books would make great would make uh, great movies or TV series. Like you, you said, know. there's so many streaming channels now. Too. Exactly. exactly, they need a lot of material out there. That's great. All right, well. You know, we've talked a little bit about your writing, a little bit about your movie making. Now let's talk a little bit about your doctoring because you've been, you have been a doctor for 40 years. You've been in healthcare for 40 years. Darden, good grief. What were you like? Were you Doogie Hauser? Did you start when you were 12? Um, yes, of course. That was, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that obvious? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I know, Doogie Hauser. I, I know you love that show as much as I did, but. Um, it will be 36 years in uh, private practice. Yeah. Um, well, it was 36 years in July, so it'll be 33, 37, rather, this July. And then, of course, four years of residency, four years of medical yeah. school before that. So I guess it's been about 40 years as a as physician, basically. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and 20 of that was, was studying for the boards, all right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so what do you, you have to do that every 10 years, right? We boards? have to do, every year we have to do some CME, continuing med- medical yeah. education. You have to... Um, you know, pass it, and, you know, that way they don't make you go and sit for an actual exam every oh, yeah. year, which I had to do originally because they were in influx trying to decide the best way to, to do that recertification. Yeah. So having to go to New Orleans and go in a room and take a test, you know, I oh, that's, to do that's, that one that, time. That's torture. I mean, because all, the fun, yeah, yeah. all the fun yeah. things yeah. to do in New Orleans, sitting in rooms, not one of right. them. Right, and then they just tell you that you passed. They don't yeah. tell you, if you, did you make a 99? Did you make a, you know, what did you make? Oh, yeah. So, um but again, you know, but any kind of profession, you need to be learning. And I yeah. will say this to give the American Board of OBGYN credit, those the articles they have you read, they do give you a choice and you do learn something. You know, yeah. you learn new techniques and new new things or relearn some things you hadn't thought about in a while. So there is a purpose behind it. Yeah, we were talking a little bit during the break about how your business has changed. And, of course, you do a lot with now robotic surgery, which I had that done on my spine, which is incredible. I mean, I have two small, tiny incisions, and, you know, I mean, it could have been so much worse. But you were talking about everything from hysterectomies to some of the different things that you use that for now. It really makes the outcome that much easier and better for the patient, doesn't it? It does. Just about any kind of surgery that kind Psychologists do abdominally or is really basically robotically done or laparoscopically yeah. done now. And the benefit has been, um, fortunately for us, um, most of our patients are healthy and, uh, you know, as far as surgical complications have always yeah. been good and low, but the robotic surgery has really reduced complication rate, infection rate, um, time away from work for patients, time away from their family activities, uh, pain level is dramatically decreased, less use of yeah. narcotics. So it has it's really been uh, revolutionary. And th- we've been doing our, our hysterectomies basically robotically since 2010, so it's kind of mainstay therapy now. 2010. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's been that long. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. This is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and, um, you know, obviously uh, – Part of that is to remind people of the importance of maintaining regular health care screenings. And, of course, like you mentioned earlier, we had this little thing called the pandemic, which, you know, obviously a lot of people didn't do screenings because they didn't couldn't get in. They didn't go to the hospital or what, what for whatever reason. So are you really pushing to get your patients back on a regular schedule? Yes, we um, uh, felt it very unfortunate that we couldn't see people for regular screenings during yep. that time. Um, and that was difficult. And it's been sort of a slow process for for patients to get back into this quote swing of things. Yeah. I think, particularly for you know women are traditionally more going to going to go in for the yearly checkups than men. Yeah. But um, we're beginning to see people come back and feel comfortable about coming back to the doctor's office. I never really understood 
why there should be a fear about going to a doctor's office because you would think that would be the healthiest place. Right. Um, you know, people would go to Walmart, but they wouldn't go to the doctor's office. <laughs> that never did quite make, make sense to me. But people are coming back. We have seen, uh, you'll, you'll see that reported an increased risk of breast, increased incidence of breast cancer. Yeah. Because they feel because some of those screenings were put off nationwide. Mm-hmm. So um, I do think there's some catch up and um, um, the breast cancer awareness uh, month is always just so important. They yeah. have over at Women's Hospital, they have a pink Christmas tree they put up in oh, October. Wow. And you can go by and put just a little, um, like a little paper ornament of a name of a person that you know is battling breast cancer or maybe lost a battle. And I did go by and put my mother's name there. And um, that was some special meaning for me this year yeah. to see that. And um, But we, we hope that, you know, breast cancer awareness is every month. Yeah. And, of course, you know, men need to think about prostate cancer and things like that, too. But women should get their mammograms screening certainly by age 40 or sooner, particularly if there's a strong family history. And there's some genetic uh, screening out there for breast and ovarian cancer and other cancers that uh, people begin to talk more and more about, and that's becoming more and more available. When did your – my mom had it in 1978, and – that they didn't. Nobody talked about it back then. It was right. oh, it was either yeah. a lossy or sexuality, or it was taboo, or it was hush hush. And I think Betty Ford did about as much to actually make America aware of the disease on that. But but I remember my mom literally sobbing by herself, you know, in right. her room at night because she had no one to talk to. And right. so so when I see it now with the pink ribbons, like you said, my heart just just shines because I know that the women are getting the kind of support that they need and knowing that there's a community out there. Yeah. I think, uh, any kind of medical illness like that, the more people talk about it, it helps the better. Yeah. Um, and certainly there's no, you know, shame in having any kind of disease or problem at all. Right. And I think, uh, people should feel comfortable about talking about it. Yeah. Um, I know my mother's situation was, I, I don't remember her having, uh, Really, I think she pretty much took hers in stride. Yeah, and hers was uh, oh, gosh, I think it's before my child was born. He's thirty-seven. The oldest okay. child is thirty-seven. But her breast cancer actually recurred um, in the last you know, five years. Oh wow! And so you know, but um, you know, she did so well for so long. Yeah. And uh, but it's it's just important to keep up with everything. Yeah, my mother-in-law's got a recurrence, and she's mm-hmm. fighting that right now. Mm-hmm. My my son wrote an um, article this week in the Daily Mississippian about my mother-in-law and her fight and everything. And, I mean, it brought tears to my eyes. It was like, wow, I'm glad that my 19-year-old has now understands the importance of all this and so forth. It was it was very touching That's great. on that. You know, you talked about family. You talked about 37. How many kids do you have? We have two. Two. We have two. 37 and what? And 34, which is okay. hard to believe. That goes by quick. It does. And yeah. we have three grandchildren now, a little girl and two boys. Are they close? Uh, yeah, they live in Jackson. So that's, that's been awesome. Great. Mm-hmm. So so great. You, so you now spend half your life writing and producing movies and being a doctor and then you know being grandpa. Well, and, right. What's and, your and, grand, what's your grandpa name? Uh, Papa Doc. Papa Doc. Papa Doc. That's, okay, and that's you win. Yeah, <laughs> you win. That is awesome. P A P A and then a big D O C. I mean, you know, Papa Doc. And uh, my wife's name is Sassy. And her name is Sally, so that kind of worked out well. Isn't that. it funny? Now, yeah. how, did y'all give yourself names, or did the kids give you um, names? Papa Doc, um, I think maybe I came up with that. I'm not sure. That may have been a combination. Sally wanted Sassy. That was the name she wanted. And, really? And, and Lillian, the oldest grandchild, basically 
came up or just, that just yeah. she if she went with that no yeah. problem at all so. so i was the youngest of all the cousins and all the you know siblings and everything else so i had no naming rights i just right. got stuck calling them whatever they were <laughs> called by the point i came around so that's really cool i love sassy i have to call her that next time i see her. do do so i'm, I'm sure look she'll at me like, like going yeah she, oh good i'm glad <laughs> I probably won't do it now because I'm that <laughs> a little bit. So, like you said, you're that. You get to go to football games with them, and you get to go do fun things with them. And I know you probably how, – how old are your grandkids now? Um, the oldest, uh, four – let's see, four, about 16 months, and about three and a half weeks. Okay, so you're not quite to soccer and all that well, yet. Well, Lillian started soccer. Okay. We did get to see one of her games. Uh-huh. Was, oh, how'd that was, go? Um, the, the coach was a jewel. I don't know. He was a big guy out there. And he had he had eight little girls. Where I could the way I was structured, I believe he had eight people on the team, and he would do four at a time, and they would just put four out there on each team, yeah, and put a ball there, and hopefully one of them kind of understood to kick it, you know, toward yeah. the goal. And Lillian did make a goal while we were there, and I think that was her goal. Her, literally, yeah. her goal to make <laughs> a goal. Yeah, and so that was very good. It is. I mean, I love it when they're that age because they run in clumps. That's what so, they did. Yeah, yeah, there's like a little clumps yeah. running around the field. There, there was one little girl, though, who was really, really aggressive out there. And yeah. I remembered her mother was a basketball star in high school. So, uh, you know, those things are – that's great. Okay, but but the mom <laughs> wasn't out there. Like, I coach, didn't okay. see the mom. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I think the child was born that way. The, okay. Yeah. yeah, I got that gene on yeah. there. I remember at some point during my kids when they were doing it, I, suddenly I realized that was my dad. I sounded just like my dad and everything else. And Amy's looking at me like, hush. <laughs> I was like, yes, ma'am. I just hush. Because dad always would really get into it and so forth. Well, that's cool. Now, you're an Ole Miss fan, right? Right. Tough weekend. Sorry about that. It was the tough. Weekend. Yeah. 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 So. Um, it kind of takes the pressure off. You know, if you're not undefeated anymore, it kind of takes the pressure off. But, um, you know, I my my time at Ole Miss was, you know, very, very special. And uh do like to go back there. And the school is – Certainly changed a lot. Um, I think you have to study a little bit harder. Um, but um, <laughs> well, that's no fun. Yeah, no. But um, you have to go. You can't skip out on Fridays anymore. But but we uh, we try to make um, as many games as we can. I don't believe for a second you ever skipped out on a Friday. <laughs> I just don't believe don't, it. Well, you would totally blow my image yeah, of you. No. Okay. Um, um, but Sally promises to go to two games a year with me. So okay. um, we, we we'll make that. I think. So uh, for those who don't know, you are a board member of MPB, and you have been. This right. is your sixth yes. year. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Thank you now you. know how the sausage is made. Yes. Um, that's been a, a great privilege, and I have really enjoyed uh, serving on the MPB board of directors. I got to be chairman for three years, and uh, Donnie Canada t- took over and has done a wonderful job. But um, MPB, I learned a tremendous amount about it and what all MPB does for education in Mississippi yeah. as well as the arts. Um, and we're very lucky to have the staff here. And everything, people that uh, support MPB are actually supporting Mississippi. They're supporting yeah. the activities of MPB right here. So it's been something you would you would do again. I would, but I, but six years has been has been, a, <laughs> That's what to say. It's been a good good trip. Um, and Angela yeah. Perez, our uh, executive uh, director, has made it so much easier for all of us on the board. I mean, she's yeah. uh, we stole her from MUW, and she's uh, just been a lightning rod. Did she's you catch the job. interview that I did with her? Yes. Was that was, I mean, she, was she not I mean, just a rock star? I mean, she, she said, "Well, I didn't know what to say," and I thought, "My gosh, you know, it was you, you know." And but what she said was so powerful. It was yeah. everything was, and she has such, the great stories, you know, about her growing up there in Columbus and. Um, she's a truly outstanding individual. 
Let me ask you about your writing, and we'll go back to the writing part of this. And uh, you know, I always, I'm always kind of fascinated about the creative process and, and talking to people and how they do what they do. You know, I, like for instance, Saturday night I was walking the dog outside and literally had an image of a drawing. I was, it just popped into my head, and I literally went back and sat down and drew it. You know, and but some people like to get up early in the morning and write because it's quiet. What's your writing schedule like, and when do you when do you like to get up and write? I wish I could get up and write early, uh, yeah. but you know when you have to be in the operating room sometimes about That's fifteen till seven, yeah. Yeah. it's kind of early. But um, on the weekends when I do get up and don't have to, you know, have anything else going on, and I can write or do something that's related to my writing, whether it's you know marketing or communicating, you know, screenplay editing or um, you know that kind of thing, it's a lot easier. You know, yeah. if, the, if you do it in the morning when your brain is clear and fresh. And if um, and I think most most writers will agree if you get an hour or two of good solid writing done in a day, mm-hmm. that's a lot. Um, but I have to you know basically write sometimes at nights on the weekends, and this is why I'm not churning a book out every six months. It may yeah. take me a couple of years, right? Um, because I have a lot of other things you know going on, and yeah. I have a lot of we you know I like to work in the yard. My wife and I are trying to travel more, uh, have family activities, and you know try to walk and get out and move my joints around. So. Um, I'll stay busy, but, um, if I could, if I could do a schedule, I, I think to write in the mornings would be the easiest Yeah, and probably most productive. I agree with you. I mean, by the, I always schedule my day that by the afternoon, I'm actually just physically drawing because that requires no brain whatsoever. I mean, I could draw my sleep, but you I do, couldn't think of the ideas. You do I mean, a mighty good job of it. I will say that. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> d- definitely sleepwalk a lot when I draw. You can tell on that, but so like I said, have you got another book plan or have you got an idea? I have another book written. Um, oh, another one written. Okay. Yeah, just have one the, laying around yeah, just in the, case. The title is The Friendly Enemy, and we just haven't um, made you know publication plans about it. Yeah. Um, it will make an outstanding movie, I think, yeah. or TV series. Um, um, and it's actually based on a true crime and a real detective's career in Jackson in the late 70s and early 80s. Oh, wow. And it was a different story for yeah. me uh, because it's not a medical story at all. The only right. doctor in it is a guy that does an autopsy. Um, so that was um, uh, really a challenging project. But I, I'm excited about that. And I've um, started another book um, that's basically a follow-up to The Five Manners of Death. The protagonist in that book is Diana Bratton, female surgeon, mm-hmm. and Really want to see her grow and grow, and um, I think she can carry a whole series of books herself. Oh, that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've, you've thought about doing that, having a central character kind of have I, a series? I think particularly when you um, have the prospect of, of someone interested in your books for TV series yeah, or something that's like true, that. that's true. You know, the more material you can give them, the better. Yeah, it's kind of like and the Jack Reacher thing. Exactly, you know, it's, exactly. It's kind of, yeah. Um, and again, I, and again, you asked me if I like somebody, and I do like her. I like her, her character a lot. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I do. See, if, hey, you you told me something that you mentioned that your your pup Foxy was in the movie and had a starring role. You said Foxy's not doing well. She's and, not. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she will she will be sixteen in February. Oh, that's a sure good run we'll, for a dog. Yeah, we're not yeah. sure we'll make it to that birthday, but um, she did a fantastic job. She didn't bite anybody. You know, yeah, that's important. She sat there for the actors too. Yeah, yeah it's it always is. good. Yeah. <laughs> it is. So, but uh, yeah, I've always said about dogs that the only problem with them is that they don't live long enough. They do. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, they're they're mm-hmm. great on that. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So the latest. Uh, once again, give me the latest details on the new book that's coming out. 
Party Favors is scheduled to be released in November, and we've got a book signing at Lemuria here in Jackson, December 13th, starting at 4. And I believe they'll have a reading. Uh, we'll have a reading as well. And um, I love to go to book clubs. And uh, uh, please go to my website, DardenNorth.com. Love to hear from from, write, from uh, writers and from and readers. Darden, this yeah. has been a total pleasure today. Thank you, Marshall, as always. Thank I you. always love visiting with you. All right. Well, Thank you for listening today, and a special thanks to Dr. Darden North for joining me. And if you'd like to hear this or any past episodes, you can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app or on our MPB public media app. Now You're Talking is a production of MPB Think Radio and is produced by Jermaine Flood. Then join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. for another great guest. I'm Marshall Ramsey wishing you an awesome week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.